amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Blog Talk Radio. Right into this world, all alone. God takes your soul, you're on your own. A crow Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Weigh In Sports Talk. I'm your host, Brian Tarvin. We'll be joined tonight with co-host Trey Patterson as we bring one of our last shows of 2014. We will have a show next Sunday night to to make sure we hit all the bowl games we need to and and bring everybody in on the discussion. Can't do one Wednesday night, Christmas Eve. I don't think anybody wants to listen to sports talk on Christmas Eve. So we're going to take the night off, do a family, friends, whatever you guys do. But we'll be back Sunday night for hopefully a long show as we get ready. New Year's Day is, is approaching. A lot of great bowl games going to be coming up. So we're excited about them, of course. It's, I'm ready to see 2014 be done with. It's been a tough year. But there's some good things that came out of the year as well. But 2014 is one I'll never forget. But I'm ready to move on for, to more exciting things. In 2015, tonight we're going to talk about the NFL. And we're going to talk about the playoffs. Some scenarios, who's in, who's out. Wow, what a day in, in the NFL. We're going to we're gonna talk about the Carolina Panthers. How, as of today, they're in first place in their division. They will be in the playoffs. If they beat the Atlanta Falcons next Sunday, I think it's going to be Sunday evening they're going to play that game. And then you just never know what can happen in football. Does a team with a losing record deserve to be in the playoffs? I think not. But, you know, I like the Panthers. I hope they get in and do a good job. But at the end of the day, every team in that division is terrible. So you have Tampa Bay, of course, they're the last team in the division, but Atlanta, New Orleans, and Carolina, there's not a chance that either one of those teams could probably win a playoff game. The only good thing about it is they host it. So you never know. Carolina could have Green Bay or Detroit come into their place if they win. The same for Atlanta. So it's not going to be an easy easy game in that first round, in the wild card round. Some great teams in the playoffs. It's going to be fun to watch. Tonight, Seattle, Arizona are playing to really see who's who's going to get that home field advantage and, and first round by. Seattle's hot right now. Arizona's playing with a, a quarterback that was on the San Diego Chargers practice squad a few weeks ago. So you talk about a resilient team, the Arizona Cardinals. They've won 11 games this year, and I bet nobody can name their quarterbacks, really. But a great job they've done in the toughest division in football, or at least we thought was the toughest division in football. Seattle's making a push. San Francisco last night chokes a big lead. Harbaugh's last game will be next Sunday. And, wow, the biggest disappointment, surprise to me, are the San Francisco 49ers not making the playoffs and ending the season the way they have. I mean, it's terrible. You lose to Oakland. You lose – I mean, you're up 21 points about on 
San Diego and you lose. But that's neither here nor there. We're going to talk some NFL tonight and talk about some of the games that's coming up in the in the next week. And since we're going to do a show Sunday night, some of those games will be going on already. And the college football, college basketball, what's going on? I mean, I mean, when my question to the listeners out there is, when do you start actually watching college basketball? Is it is it when the the conference games start in January because College basketball, to me, is just not that exciting right now. The Auburn Tigers did have a huge win over Xavier, and I know people are like, well, Xavier's not ranked, but, you know, Xavier's a team that's going to be in the tournament. They're usually in the tournament. And for the Auburn Tigers basketball program, that was a huge win for them. I mean, it seems like this is a team that would be beaten by 30 or 40 points by a team like Xavier in years past. But they showed up last night. Bruce Pearl has done a great job of getting the most out of the talent he has. It's going to take him a couple of years to to put a team on the court that could be a contender to make the tournament. We all know that, but very impressed with the way they won. And, and talk about impressive. The Kentucky Wildcats played UCLA last night, and at the half, the UCLA had seven points. And I, I've been watching college basketball a long time. I've been playing basketball a long time, officiating it. I don't think I've ever seen a team over 10 years old score less than seven points and a half. I mean, that's almost impossible to do. I mean, I could get five guys that I know to go right now and play Kentucky, and I would bet anything we would have more than seven points and a half. So how does UCLA score seven points and one half? Now, UCLA is not a ranked team anymore. They're not a – the powerhouse of old, but, you know, UCLA is still a respectable team, and they get held to seven points. There's something about this Kentucky defense, this team that's loaded with all Americans, and I, some people don't believe me. I, and, and, you know, I hear talk about, well, Alabama's so good in football they could beat an NFL team. No, that's never going to happen. But I'm telling you, this Kentucky basketball team is good enough to beat one or two of the worst NBA teams out there. And the reason is these guys have a ton of NBA talent on their team already. A lot of college teams only have a few pros. Well, their entire backups are are NBA. They get better better competition in practice than they do on the court. And, And it's just so weird to see a team that's this dominating. When you look at the points they've given up, and I know they've they've played some teams, they give up 51 points to Texas, 28 to Montana State. I know it's Montana State, but 28 points. They gave up 46 to Columbia, 70 to North Carolina, 44 to UCLA, 40 to Kansas. I mean, Kansas is a high-potent offensive team, and they give up 40 points. So this Kentucky team is for real. They're the best team in the country, and 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 like I said last night, this it's a two-team race this year in college basketball. Duke, this could be the year that the Duke Blue Devils come in and and make that push to win it all. They they're a very good team. They went on the road to Wisconsin and won by ten. They they beat Michigan State by ten. They beat Stanford by eleven. So I mean, this is a team that's been tested already. They beat UConn by ten. So they've been tested, and now it's getting close to the to the ACC play. And it's going to be interesting to see what the Kentucky Wildcats do. And uh, good team. I mean, just I pumped them up last year, you know, before the season started. 
And they finally started playing like a team that I thought they would in March. Once they got to the SEC tournament, they almost beat Florida in the championship game, and then they made it all the way to the championship, losing to a hot Connecticut team. And I still, to this day, I mean, that was a fluke. I think Kentucky was a better team. They were just a lot younger at the time. That that stage was, was just a little bit too big for them. And, uh, but Kentucky's here, and it's hard to – to go undefeated. I'm not saying Kentucky's going undefeated in college basketball this year. I'm not trying to say that. But it's just gonna be it's gonna be real tough to beat a team like this. With with so much length to them, so much athleticism, some returning guards. Coach Calipari is great coach. He's great at getting more out of less and I mean you give him five star talent everywhere, it's gonna be almost impossible to beat him. He, he's a businessman he understands what it takes to coach, to motivate these kids. And, and see, the the thing is, you have a all of these kids are used to being the man on their team, the state, wherever they reside, they're the best player there. And they're not used to, to playing that team basketball. But Calipari, it took him a, a while last year with that team to get them to play team basketball and to do it his way. And I think this year will be a lot easier because they have a, some returning starters, actually, that, that bought into what Calipari was doing. He, he told them specifically, he said, you've done it your way for an entire season. This is this is what's happened. Now it's time to do it my way. And when they did it his way, you saw what was possible, a championship. The runner-up, and this year I think they're going to go for it all. Calipari is, is one of the best in the business, guys. I mean, you have to be able to recruit to win. You, Bruce Pearl's a great coach, but without the talent, he's not going to be winning championships. And Calipari is not stupid. He goes out and gets the best players. But, it, it I mean, don't make a joke about it and think that he just wins because of talent. It takes a special kind of coach to be able to coach that kind of talent and to get them to play team basketball. So I, I, I get tired of people saying Calipari only wins because of talent. Well, that goes for most coaches. I mean, you know, Krzyzewski has a great team every year. He recruits well. That's why they're good every year but it does take some kind of special coach to be able to take all these egos, all of these superstars, and to be able to put them on the on the court and, and get a good result. We saw what it was like last year. Kentucky was god-awful for a time being. I mean, for, for an entire season, they played selfish. But something happened in that championship game against Florida where they turned it over. I mean, they just turned it around and started playing team basketball and started believing in themselves, and, and the rest is history. So we'll keep an eye on college basketball, but not until it gets into the season a little bit. I mean, I just wanted to point out how good Kentucky was and how good Duke. I've watched them both. They're just in another league. So let's move on to the NFL today. The Carolina Panthers at home took care of Cleveland. And what this did, Cam Newton came back from from being injured in a car accident. They took care of Cleveland. Johnny Manziel got a taste of what it was like to play in the NFL. He gets helped off the field. He got hurt, so they came back to their original starter. Didn't do too much good. Carolina took care of business at home. But the big thing about this game in New Orleans, New Orleans again lost, I think, the fourth time in a row at home. Lost 30-14 to to the Saints. And hold on, I think I... Let's see, Sonia and Jason in the queue. Sonia, welcome to the show. Hey, what's going on, Tarvin? I'm just sitting here uh, watching football and talking some sports. What about y'all? 
doing basically the same. <laughs> Who is this Lindley kid for Arizona? Who is that? Lindley kid. Yeah, the quarterback. Well, I've got Jason's going all Sorry about that. <laughs> no, he's a quarterback for Arizona. He was on the practice squad of San Diego a few weeks ago, but here he is playing for first place in the NFC West. Hey. Dude, you already know my feelings. How many times have I talked about the NFC this season? Especially the South. Oh, oh, the NFC South is the best division in football, Sonia. Don't be kidding yourself. Yeah, right. When the Sun Conference has a better record than the NFC South, something is really wrong. It is just just ridiculous that any team in the NFC South is going to be playing for a playoff spot. Not one team deserves a playoff spot. And today, I mean, seriously, look, I love my Falcons. I am glad they won. But when you look at the way they won and you look at it, it's like the Saints went from, dude, what the heck is going on? <laughs> then we got the Panthers. The Panthers and the Falcons will be will be playing next week for first place. Yeah, it's just I mean, that's two bad teams. I mean the Falcons to me they're they're more explosive but they have no defense. The Panthers they don't really have a, anything. I mean, if you look at that team, they have a rookie receiver. Cam's been battling injuries all year, no offensive line, no defense. I mean man, and the sad thing about it is not only do they make the playoffs, but they get a chance to host a first round game. I mean, that's insane. It is. It's just ridiculous. I mean, dude, that's just bad football. I have to kind of go back to um, <clears throat> when Mark Sanchez was with the Jets, and there was they played. Who was it? Baby, was it Tampa Bay? They played that night. Tennessee. Tennessee. That's right. And Trent Dilfer and Steve Young gave the ultimate, ultimate post game breakdown. And there were some key phrases used there, like there's some good football being played out there, but this is not it. And, you know, how can you be a quarterback and accelerate the down? How do you accelerate downward? That's what I see coming from the NFC South right now. And some of these kids, some of these kids who people ignored, you know, it's kind of like let's go back to Russell, uh, Russell Wilson. Out of his draft class, he was, you know, ranked at the bottom. And right now he's doing better than all of them. So it's just one of those things. You know, football is cyclical, and I guess it's time for it to, you know, cycle out for the NFC South. But it's just ridiculous yeah. that the amount of bad football that we're paying to see. It's not like college. You know, of course we go pay to see those games, but pro is a totally different level. You know, you choose to be a fan of a team. You go out and you buy that merchandise. And right now I don't feel comfortable spending my money on a team that's putting that kind of product on the field. And I don't know if you saw the link that I posted today about uh, Mike Smith. No. You didn't see that one? Well, uh-huh. supposedly the rumor is that um, he's basically that, uh, what's his name, Arthur Blank, has basically made it known that he's going to be letting him go. And from the rumor mill, it looks like they're eyeing, uh, eyeing the Broncos – Adam Geese or Gase? Yeah, that's a dumb move. Replacement. Yeah, if you can't get a, a well-known name into Atlanta, 
keep what you have. At least this guy is the players like him, and they they could possibly make the playoffs. But you can't bring some some no name person in from Denver to coach be a head coach of something. I mean that's that's some of these NFL teams. Black Monday's coming up next Monday, and some of these coaches are going to be let go way too early. And I think yep. Atlanta, if they do, if they do that, if they do that, I'm not saying the guy doesn't deserve to be fired. I mean, he's had his chance, but be careful who you bring in here because it, it could be a lot worse in Atlanta. I, I mean, he's not a terrible coach. I have seen worse, <laughs> like Rex Ryan, but um, is that his name? Or Rex, what's his name, Rex Ryan? Yeah, but there's something missing, though, because when you look at all the talent that's on the Falcons, I mean, you look at that roster and you see that talent and you're just like, okay, what? we should be – a heck of a lot closer to our goal of going to the Super Bowl than we are now. But it's almost like two steps forward, three steps back. And, you yeah. know, I'm like you. It's like I've looked at the the, uh, the article this morning, and I'm looking at it right now. It's just saying that he is uh, considering, and these are just rumors, so everybody know that this is fact, this is just rumors, but that he's told some confidants that he expects to retain uh, Thomas Dimitrov but that could be revisited. But he has his eye on um, Denver's Adam Gase. So, you know, either he knows something we don't or <laughs> I don't know. I just think there needs to be something done down there because there's just too much freaking talent on yeah. the Dome, you know, for well, this to you know, one thing, one thing, they, they started focusing on it a little more, getting Matthews in, the offensive line. The, the Atlanta Falcons remind me of the Cowboys a little bit. Before this year, of course, but you know Dallas. All of a sudden, now the coach looks better, Romo looks better, the running game's better, the defense is playing better, and it's all because of the offensive line. Until Atlanta gets that ironed out, they're they're going to struggle. And Matt Ryan oh, yeah. is not a quarterback that can escape. He he's not going to escape. He's like Drew Brees. They get hit, they get hit. So you know, bring a Cam Newton in or somebody like that with the current offensive line. You could be a few games better, but until you address that offensive line, Atlanta is going to be Atlanta. I mean, just look look at Dallas, Sonia. Look what's happened to them over the period of the years once they started bulking up that offensive line now. Garrett, coach of the year, people are saying, and he's a terrible coach. Oh, dude, we looked at the game, and I'm sitting there, and Andrew Luck is a quarterback. Like, he is the young Peyton Manning. You know what I mean? He is the, the the heir apparent for the next level of elite. And for him to have the kind of game he had today, and I'm so glad that they took him out. I, I hate it for my husband because he had he's his uh, fantasy football quarterback. But he couldn't get anything anything popping. Dallas was clicking on all cylinders. This team is back. I don't think that we have to sit here and wonder if it's a fluke or not. It might be a fluke this season. They've, they've got to be consistent with it. But for this season, Dallas has shown up. And I think part of that is because of the fact that maybe Jerry Jones has realized, dude, let my coach, let my coordinators, let them do the job that I hired them to do. And that's been the biggest hindrance with Dallas is the fact that Jerry Jones, he's just got to stick his nose and his fingers into everything. Dude, leave it alone. Let them do it. And and another thing that I have to give kudos to Jerry Jones for, or to, you know, leaving the same coaching staff in, you know, leaving the coach because sometimes, you know, just you, you fire a coach too early based off his win loss record, Cleveland. 
and and you just fire him and, and start moving him around. But one thing Dallas is starting to get is some consistency. They're used to their coach. They, they know what's expected in practice every day. They know what, what game day is going to be like with this coach. And I think with the offensive line being rebuilt and the quarterback, Romo's been the scapegoat, uh, the butt of all jokes for Dallas, and it wasn't his fault all these years. Now there's some consistency in Dallas, and this is a, a very dangerous team. I definitely agree there. He has stepped up to the plate, and it's been one of those, wait a minute, hold on. <laughs> wait, is this the same Romo we're watching? He's amazing. And it's the offensive line. I mean, it's, it's, it's an offense, a bad offensive line can make any quarterback look terrible. I mean, it's, you saw Drew Brees oh, this at, year. He hasn't looked as good. Yeah, look at Matt Rogers. Ryan. I mean, yeah. Look at, okay, look at Aaron Rodgers. Everybody knows that Green Bay's O line is just just terrible, just terrible, just terrible, terrible. terrible. That man spends <laughs> so much time on his behind, but he has earned the title of elite because he can still make something happen having no protection. But it gets to the point, just like Cam in the game um, we were discussing, it was it like two or three weeks ago, right before his accident, and he was just putting himself. I mean, he looked like an old man out there. You were just like, please, Cam, don't go back in. Because <laughs> he was getting slaughtered. And that's what happens when you don't have an O-line that can protect your quarterback. You just have to, I mean, literally you've taken his shelf life and you've cut it in half. Because no quarterback, I don't care who they are, they can't go out there and take that punishment every single week. You've got to have a strong O-line. No, but, and you have to give your take your hats off to Cam Newton. If they do make the playoffs this year, with that team losing everything they lost, with all the injuries on the team, Cam's missed a couple games uh, due to injuries and surgery and all that car accident. Ron Rivera, I mean, you can't give him the credit, I think, because I just think he's terrible. But, you know, you look at Cam Newton, you have to give kudos and props to him for what he's been able to do this year as a leader. He's starting to mature a little bit. He he does get beat up a lot. My God, I don't see how he walks. But you give him five years more of this, he won't be in the NFL anymore. So if you're Carolina, you either get an offensive line. If you're Cam Newton, you jump ship and, and you start riding on a ship that's got a better offensive line because he won't be in the NFL in five years if something doesn't change. He's gone after this year of Tarvin. Where's he Cam, going, Jason? Yeah, hey, hey, Tarvin. Cam's gone after this year. He's not going to stay. You're going to test the market. Someone's going to pay mega money for him. Um, Give him a go, line. I actually, you know, prior to Bridgewater, I would have loved to have Cam up in Minnesota. Um, He's a great quarterback. Nothing but props for him. I mean, he he basically has a team right now that's nothing. (laughs) He's doing it all on his own. And Kiki. Yeah. So. Yeah. Hey. We'll see. I hope he gets out of there. But, hey, guess who's here with us right now? I, tra- I put a missing alert person out for him. Trey Patterson is back. Trey, welcome Yay! to Yay! Trey, you're back. Say hello. <laughs> Uh-oh. He's missing, guys. He, he's hey, really hey, not. Oh, God. Amber <laughs> alert. Amber alert. What's up, Sorry, Trey? I was on. I couldn't get off mute for some reason. There he is. Hey, Trey. What's, what's happening, guys? We've missed you. 
Yeah, it's been a, it's been an uh, interesting couple of weeks. Good to be back. Oh, I paid I paid them to say that too, Trey. Just by the way, <laughs> I figured you would give them a little bit of a retainer. Well, Trey, what do you think about what's going on in the NFC South right now with with Carolina and Atlanta playing for the championship next week, and and how about them Cowboys? Well, well, I didn't want to talk about the NFC South. I mean, it's it's terrible football in the NFL, and uh, the fact that one of those teams <laughs> makes the playoffs just is disturbing. But um, you know, what's really surprising from this week is how, how the Cowboys dismantling the Colts. Uh, that shocked me. Uh, Andrew Luck was terrible in that game. Uh, the Cowboys defense seems inspired. I don't even. I don't know, Trevor. That that is a team that um, I think we have to start labeling them a real contender at this point. Uh, which is, I mean, Tony Romo being good in December is shocking. Yeah, I mean, it's it's one of those things that that we 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 talked about it. You know, Romo's been a quarterback that everybody has placed the blame on, and Garrett. But we all talked about the defensive line or the offensive line of Dallas, and now all of a sudden they're blocking, the running's better, the passing game's better, Romo's healthier, the defense looks good. I mean. What's the weakness of this Dallas team? Because I just don't see one. Yeah, I mean, they're real balanced right now. I mean, when everybody, um, if you recall in the draft, when they took Zach Martin, um, you know, 15th or a was like, Manziel, Manziel. Boy, I mean, that guy's been real good, Tarvin. I mean, real good. Um, <laughs> that, he solidified that line. I mean, sometimes you only need a single piece to solidify a line because people can play the positions they're more comfortable in. And, man, DeMarco Murray's having a great year because of it. He's going to get paid. And the defense, really, it's easier to play defense, I think, when you're pounding the other opponent, uh, you know, for time of possession. And they're having to sort of change up their team in the second half. So, I mean, great great schemes for, for Dallas right now. And, you know, again, Jason Garrett as well, Tarvin. We all talked about whether he should have been fired last year after another 8-8 eight and eight year. And uh, looking pretty good right now for keeping him. They do. Well, Jason Minson, while I have you here, you're Minnesota Vikings. Um, look very impressive today to me. I mean, this is a team we, we – I want to reflect back on the entire season. They lost Adrian Peterson, a rookie quarterback, I mean, coming in. I mean, this Minnesota Vikings team is a lot better than I think people give them credit for. That was a phenomenal game on the road in Miami today, but – but you guys ought to feel good, Jason, about your good draft pick coming up and getting Peterson back properly. Minnesota's a playoff contender easy next year. Yeah, I mean, what, what, you know, not having AP this year, you know, pretty much season to watch. You know, yeah, and, I, I, liked, I liked what I saw out of the coaching staff of Minnesota as well. Yeah, it, but it, and you know, and they've been crippled by injury on defense. So I mean, they were playing with band aids today. Um, but you know, <clears throat> I, I I feel good, very good about the direction we're going. And for what Teddy's done with what he was given, you know, he's leading pretty much all rookies um, this year. So it's not like he's having a terrible season. He's just, you know, got to have protection. Yep, and we'll we'll keep a close eye on the Vikings and and Trey one one team that could lose their quarterback and their coach, the Chicago Bears. Give us your thoughts on on Tressman and and also why Cutler didn't play today. 
Well, here's my thoughts on Trestman and the Bears. Uh, last year, if you recall, when, when their offense was clicking, um, basically Trestman, everybody was like, man, this offense is great. You know, Trestman's, you know, a genius. Look, look at the pieces that he's put and how he's put them together. And then a year later, we're all talking about him being fired. And really the difference to me is, is the quarterback play. I, I don't know that you put a lot of this on Trestman. Uh, the defense is, is, is banged up and not great, and they need defensive uh, draft picks to get better. And then Jay Cutler's played terrible. I mean, he's had – if you go through uh, a lot of quarterback gurus, they'll break down his reads. They talk about, you know, how he's just cavalier with the football, how when Trestman calls a play, and, you know, he has read one, it'll be the Jeffries. You know, he's throwing over the middle uh, to Bennett, who's double-covered. I mean, it just seems like – Cutler has been uninspired this year, and it's really may, it may cost Trestman his job, and I'm not sure that it should. And I think that's really what Trestman is doing is, you know, I think he's to the point where he knows what Cutler is doing to him and, and his poor play. Yeah, I mean, Sonia, what do you think about the Bears right now? I mean, where do they go? Are they going to fire Trestman? I, I think they have no choice but to get rid of this coach and their quarterback. Him. The problem is, it's it's like uh, our buddy Quinn, Jason and I were just talking about this earlier today, and everybody knows we love Quinn to death, but we were having a conversation when they were playing one night, and he goes, uh, yes, our defense, our defense just sucks. And we were like, no, it's your offense and your special teams. <laughs> I don't know what's going on up there. The Bears are not playing good football, and something needs to change. I don't know if you need to get rid of the coach maybe get rid of the entire management team. Because at some point, with, especially with teams like the Falcons and the Bears and, the, and uh, the Browns and the Lions, you can't keep just switching out coaches and leaving the same management in place. You know what I mean? Because there's, there's, it's like, wait a yeah. minute, wait, wait, wait. Because when you go back and you look at some of these teams and you look at some of the seasons and you look at the common denominator, like when I look at the Jets, okay, Rex Ryan was there, you know, at the beginning of the downward spiral. You've had how many quarterbacks in and out since then, and what's going on with the Jets? There's only one common denominator, him, and that management. You know, it's the same with the other ones. I think that, that we really need to stop looking at uh, so much as if, if the coach is good or bad and start looking at some of these owners and some of these, these uh, general managers, because something is not clicking with a lot of these teams. The NFL this season has not been great football. No, it, ha- it hasn't. Before we bring Quinn on right here, Sonia, those are some good points. And, you know, they've taken defense out of football. They've tried to. But, Quinn, I remember, Trey, do you remember when we kind of t- talked about the Bears could lose about five of their first seven games and I almost got ran off my own show? Do you remember that? <laughs> yeah. I seem to recall something like that. Yeah, it's just the when I watched the Bears, I, like Sonia said, the management wasn't just Tressman. It was something with this team and Cutler, the quarterback that I've never liked. But, Quinn, welcome to the show. I mean, I'm sorry about your Bears, but, damn, they're bad, man. Yeah, well, Tressman and, Tressman's going to be gone for sure because the ownership talked about it after the Saints game Monday. Tressman's gone and Emery could be gone. What about Cutler? I mean, he's a cancer. Oh, you're going to blame it on – what about when the defense gave up 55 points to New England and Green Bay? 
is that Cutler's fault too? Part of it is. Hey, yeah. I, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, there's some interceptions thrown there that give some pretty bad field position in those games as well. All right, so it was Cutler's fault because they got 55 points put on them. <laughs> All it's right, Cutler's so I guess fault every because everybody on the Cutler's team fault. hates him. Everybody on the team hates Cutler, including Cutler. Uh, uh, Tim, is that a proven fact or is that an opinion? Well, I can. I mean, look, if, if, if I'm around somebody and my body language, you can tell if I like him or not, Quinn. I can read people, and those teammates are like, oh, here we go again. Cutler's going to throw somebody else. All right, the then, let's, I mean, then, let, then let's make a poor decision and bring in another Grossman or Orton who completely sucks. All right, let's do that. Let's see how that works out. Well, I heard they're trying who to, do, who are they trying my to get? My question who? is that, who are we going to bring in? I don't know. That's up to your management. But I heard there was a trade involved maybe with Tennessee Titans. I don't know who you'd be getting. But hopefully you could do what Minnesota did and draft a quarterback that that pans out because it's just hard to find a good quarterback. But Cutler, it's, it's not that he's a bad quarterback in my opinion. It's his attitude and the way he treats people and the way he acts. I mean that's a that's a leader, and you remember Cam Newton yeah. the way he was acting like a little baby, and and his teammates almost just turned on him until he he realized what was happening. Cutler has got to grow yeah. up, Quinn. He, he has to grow up. He's still a baby. Yeah, well we'll see. It sounded like it sounded like Trustman and Emery could be gone, but the only reason why the management met up, in my opinion is because there were 11,000 empty seats. And if you know the Bears, they rarely have empty seats. And it just shows the fans are sick of it. The fans are sick because the ownership doesn't really care about winning. All they care is about putting putting bucks in seats. If you realize they're past coaches, they haven't gotten a prudent coach. They've risked it, just like they risked with this. And I'm sick and tired of them risking on unproven coaches. The only one that is planned out is Dicka. <laughs> yeah, Dicka could come back, Quinn. I mean, he's still alive at least. You could probably get him to come back and and do a better job. But I mean, you know, when Trent well, hey, was hired, you know, it was. Hey, Tarman, hold up, hold Trent. up. Go ahead. I gotta get in here real quick. Is Quinn really arguing that Lovey Smith, who won ten games the, the season he was fired, proven coach? Because Lovey Smith was pretty good. He was there. He did do pretty well, but he also had a span of where he was having this hard time winning that game. I'll give you that. All right. So, Dick and Lobby. How many other coaches we've had? Okay, Dick and Lobby have only been proven. I'll give you a Lobby. Well, Quinn, I mean, it's, I mean, it seems to me the Bears fans, we're not going to talk about the Bears too long, but it seems like a lot of Bear fans are just happy that they didn't get blown out today. How do you feel about that game? They they fought. They tried. They fought. They stayed in it. Clausen played better than I thought he would. The defense, defense actually played pretty well. See, that's the problem right there. If you lose at home to Detroit, and you're a Bears, it doesn't matter. There's no moral victories in football. If you lose, 
you lose, you win, you win. And I think that well, they're Bears starting to Bears fans are sick there. of losing, I can tell you that. I can tell you Bears fans are one of the most impatient fans you'll ever meet. Yeah, so we'll see, Quinn. Man, I'm sorry about your team. I'm sorry about All the Bears, right. the Notre Dame, and the and the Auburn Tigers. Man, you've had a tough year like I have. But the Bears will bounce back, Trey, because they do have a lot of talent on that team. You get the right coach in, you get a better quarterback. And what do you think about Cutler real quick before we move off the Bears? I just think he's a spoiled brat, and I think he's the problem with that team. Well, I mean, I really don't think it's Trustman. And I, and I, I think defensive coordinator, you could, and you, could, you could point some fingers at some other coaching staff that Trustman's put in. But offensively, that that team was really good last year, and the only thing that got different this year was was Jay Cutler's play, offensively. So I think Cutler, if you if you really, I think you do, we go one or two ways, Tarvin. Either you stick it out another year because Cutler has another year on his contract, and you give Tressman and Cutler another year and you bring the whole team back, or you if you know if you have to do anything, Tarvin, you get rid of everybody, Cutler, the GM, and the coach, and you start from scratch and you tell everybody you're rebuilding because. From what I see at Tarvin, that's the only two things you can do. If you do a coaching fire and you keep Cutler or you fire the GM, I mean, I just think that any of those scenarios are going to lead to a more firing next year. You'd have to give it a full year, Tarvin, and then clean house next year if it doesn't work out, or you completely clean house this year. And that's my thought. Well, well, Cutler's gone if, if, you know, some team will take him. That's the only reason you bench Cutler right now is to keep him healthy, keep him from getting injured so somebody will pony up and pay at least some of that contract that you owe him. Not all of it. Nobody's going to pay that much. But I could see the Titans paying half of it maybe. The the Titans want a quarterback, and they think that they can get Cutler. He's from Nashville, that he could come in and and actually do something. I, I don't think so, but the Bears are way, way too talented of a team to be in this situation. And that's why it's not just about talent. You can you can see you see some teams with less talent like Arizona. Look what they're doing this year. So if the right chemistry gets in there, and like Tanya said, management you have to look at them. It's not just about firing coaches. It's about dealing with what you have in front of you. Management makes bad decisions. I'm a manager. I make bad decisions too. So I can imagine what they're making with all that money. But let's move off the Chicago Bears for a moment, Trey. Uh, one surprise, not not too big of a surprise, the Detroit Lions this year. They're playing Green Bay for a chance. Who who gets the the, the first round by if if Detroit beats Green Bay next week or Green Bay beats Detroit? How's that going to shake out with who gets the number one overall seed? Well, Detroit's going to get it if they win. Uh, I think if they lose, I mean, I honestly don't know the scenario, but. Uh, I know if Detroit wins, then, uh, I mean, well, the Cardinals are still the number one seed with 11 wins. I mean, the Cardinals have to lose. But Detroit is, I think, the next runner-up right now. Okay. Well, I mean, it's a shocking to see Detroit. And and Detroit's a team that, that has a lot of talent on it as well. They're very up and down. But they've played very consistent for the most part this year, unlike the New Orleans Saints. But we're not anything you want to touch on in the NFL before we move on to college, trade. Anything we didn't no, talk about? Let's move on to college. Well, I mean, I didn't see it posted all in way in sports. And if you want to call in 646-716-5564, uh, the Jameis Winston ruling, Trey, I mean, you're a big Florida <laughs> State fan. Any any surprise here that, that Jameis Winston, nothing was found, and, and we're going to move on, hopefully, from all this. 
Well, I mean, we one we should, and I will say, um, you know, I have not been a poster of this kind of stuff in Wayne Sports, but there are some who are posting a lot of negativity about Jameis Winston, and, and I, I saw them be quiet a lot after all these you know fake allegations and and all this stuff. And, and if, if you can't put it to bed now, and you're a Jameis Winston hater after basically every single entity that could investigate this has basically found um, for Jameis Winston. Then I, I just think you need to look in the mirror and stop hating so much because it really is. Uh, at this point, Tarvin, it should be done. We should all stop talking about it. But those those people who made a lot of comments, including ESPN correspondent, um, seem to take a lot of sides without knowing a lot of facts, not understanding evidence, and certainly not understanding how these cases uh, are won and lost and have never, never litigated one themselves. Uh, made a lot of comments that are pretty stupid, Tarvin. And right now, um, you know. It looks like it, like it should happen from the very beginning, based on the facts. Well, it's funny. I I, I went on I, I, several months ago when all this was going on. Joe Shad was throwing Winston under the bus, and and he threw Cam Newton under the bus. And I I asked him. I said, Joe, how does it how does it feel to try to ruin another kid's life and and to be nothing at ESPN? Well, I don't see his tweets anymore. I guess he didn't like my post, but. <laughs> But it's true. These ESPN people and some of these, the media, they can really destroy the name of a kid. And and Cam Newton was destroyed by this guy. Tried to be. He had a. I don't know what was going on, but Winston was as well. Sonya, I mean, give us your thoughts, right quick, on on Jameis Winston. I am so glad it's over. I hope not to ever hear this kid's name again until the NFL draft comes up. It's one of those things where it's like, okay, we all sit here. We know kids, are, when they're 18, 19, we know how we were. Kids make stupid decisions. The problem with James is, and it's, it's his fault too, he's got to accept some uh, responsibility for it, is that when you're in a high-profile position like that, such as being the starting quarterback for a team that just won a national championship, you can't make those same decisions as if you're an 18-year-old that's living next door, you know, working in public somewhere. You know, the spotlight is on you. And one thing that I think that he failed to realize is, and this is something that goes back to his days in Hueytown, because remember, he's from Alabama, so we already knew, you know, there were already stories and and things going around about him before he uh, went to FSU. But it all led, it all kind of leads back to the media, and he began to get the big head when he was all over the local papers and, and getting covered by the local media there. And then there's this, you know, attitude of entitlement because, you know, don't you know who I am? And once you take an ego like that and you put it in a spotlight, guess what happens? It just grows exponentially. So here's this guy who's basically been coddled and, and you know, had his ego stroked all through high school, going into college, and now he's realizing, wait a minute, I just can't do what I want. Now, sad thing is there are some things that were blown out of proportion, but there are some things that were, you know, he did it. It's, it's straight and simple. Will he learn from this? Hopefully. I am hoping that he does. But when you've got people like Bo Jackson, um, who's the other one? I think it was Emmett Smith, who all tried to, to, you know, kind of tug on his coattails and pull him to the side and give him some advice and mentorship – and he kind of rebuffed it and was disrespectful towards them, I don't see it happening anytime soon. He might have to go, you know, the course of a la Mike Vick, 
because think about it, Mike Vick had a huge ego, especially when he was here in Atlanta. Had a huge ego from VTech, huge ego in the NFL, and boom. And he is humble now, and he's a changed person. So I think that's what it's going to have to take for for James is to get himself together. Now back to the media. The media is, and I'm going to quote the word for here, the devil. Okay? The media, you can have these guys who have people hang on their every word. They can destroy your reputation and they can build it up. And the thing about it is when they first report the negative story, the negative press about you, that's in 24 size font, bold letters. You know, they've got it on the front page. It's all just splashed all over. It's on the ticker. It's everywhere. But when a story turns out to be false, you get a little bitty blurb on the back page at the bottom of the classifieds, you know, saying that we, we're sorry, we were wrong, or we retract this statement, whatever, whatever. So what I think people need to start doing is stop buying so much into media hype. There's always an agenda behind any sort of media, whether it's college, whether it's, you know, regular news. You can't sit here and take what you hear from the media as fact. There's always going to be somebody's opinion or somebody's bias woven into those words and woven into that story. So I totally agree with Trey. It's like, let's just let this thing die. Let's move on. We've got playoffs to look forward to. Well, Trey, I mean, speaking of playoffs here, your Florida State Seminoles yeah. will be traveling to Pasadena. I mean, how does this news really affect what they're going to do? I mean, Florida State's a nine-and-a-half point, ten-point underdog. I mean, how's that possible? Well, I mean, this is a team that, by the way, they're getting healthy. Uh, the starting defensive tackles practicing again, which is huge for Florida State because um, they're not very deep at that position. Uh, but one of the things – that Tarvin, you know, with with this, that people don't realize is when everyone was criticizing Jimbo Fisher, uh, saying, well, how could he protect Jameis Winston? And how could he come off, you know, come out at the media uh, so harshly when when they were basically making judgments without evidence themselves? Well, you know who really hears this now, Tarvin, even more so? Uh, the Malik Henrys and Josh Sweats of the world, and, and certainly their parents. Uh, two five-star recruits who signed with who, who basically verbally committed to Florida State, and there's more that will come from this. Because now, even more so, do they see a head coach and a coaching staff defending their players, and now they see that it's justified in the law. I mean, I mean so uh, that's going to be big, Tarvin. And what I like now, Tarvin, is we can start focusing on the last two Heisman-winning quarterbacks facing off against each other, uh, and two really good football teams in Pasadena. And that's what it really boils down to, Tarvin, is we get now a focused Jameis Winston and a focused Mar- well, Marcus Mariota. Pretty going to be pretty good. Well, Trey, what what would you say if if it came out today that Jimbo or that, that Jameis, they, they did find him guilty and kicked him out of school, what would your opinion be on Jimbo Fisher then? Well, I think uh, you have to protect your players, but I think, as you know, uh, and Nick Saban and, and Jimbo Fisher are cut from the same cloth uh, in that regard. And you know, Jim, Jimbo Fisher would probably still defend his guy as being a guy who made a mistake or, or whatever. Or I don't know what he would say actually. And I think my opinion would certainly change. Uh, but this was like the, the whole DJ Petaway thing. You know, Nick Saban just came out uh, and basically redefended his decision to put DJ Petaway back on team, you and I were very critical of that, um, and, you know, he said, hey, you know, uh, one of the things that I liked what he said 
was uh, he went back to Mushu Muhammad uh, at Michigan State, and I know some of you probably heard this this uh, story. Uh, who was a guy who got in a lot of trouble uh, from felony level trouble at Michigan State? Uh, Nick Saban went back on the team and ended up playing 15 years in the NFL. And the kid has, you know, the guy he's not a kid anymore. Uh, has four kids and his oldest is in Princeton now. And Nick Saban says, hey, "I gave him a second chance," and he turned his whole life around. Mm-hmm. And had a daughter at Princeton. Now, so that there's a there's a side to this as well, and I can certainly see that as you know, and I, I think that Nick and, and Jimbo are guys of that cloth. Uh, they're going to they're gonna defend these 18- and 19-year-old kids, and hope hopefully they can save them. And I think that's exactly what they're trying to do is well, be a coach well, and a mentor. Well, Trey, you, you made a good point. The only problem I had with Saban, or any any coach for that matter, that lets a kid come back from something like a violent crime like Petaway, I mean, on campus, they're going to yeah. still see the same students. That was my only, my only mm-hmm. beef with the whole entire thing. So, I mean, coaches – do have interest in kids' lives other than football. So it, I've seen it with Gus. I've seen it with Saban. Jimbo's showing it now. I mean, they, they do actually care about the future. It's not just can you win me games, um, can you do this. They do want to see them succeed. But we'll get back into the Florida State talk. <clears throat> Excuse me. But the head coaching search at Michigan, uh, Trey, is going on right now. Jim Harbaugh's name, I hear – from people and and my God I don't I don't know if you heard this but but he's a done deal to come to Michigan that's Harbaugh I mean have you heard anything on the coaching search at Michigan who else are they interviewing besides or Har- Harbaugh or even talking about Well I don't, I don't know they're interviewing anybody right now Carmen I think they put I mean all of their eggs in this basket now from what I'm hearing uh, John is is extremely interested apparently his family is lobbying him for the job. Um, and he's just trying to basically rectify. I mean, he likes to be a pro football coach, um, and so. Uh, but they, they and they're paying him uh, like you would want to be paid uh, for a you know a big time coach, and, and basically they're trying to do what what the Alabama Crimson Tide did uh, back when it was '04 when they they lured Saban out of Miami, who um, you can say he wasn't successful, but you know the thing is, is Alabama went after him pretty hard. Gave him a lot of money, and a lot of people criticized it at the time, saying, "Whoa, what is what is Alabama doing, paying a coach this much?" Well, Michigan's doing the exact same thing that Bama did, and hope and hopefully, uh, if you're a Michigan fan, it works out. Uh, I think Harbaugh would be a home run hire. Honestly, um, I think he'd be a much better college coach. I mean, he's a pretty darn good NFL coach. Went to the NFC Championship game, the Super Bowl, um, and hasn't won it. But I mean, that that doesn't mean a whole lot. I think if Michigan can grab him, Tarvin, it's a game changer for the Big Ten. Well, the, well, the difference that I see between Saban and Harbaugh is Saban was an elite recruiter. He's a workaholic, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. He understands the college game. Where Harbaugh, if you go back to Stanford, look, I mean, he had some good teams, and, and he won some games, but he never won that big game, and he never really recruited that well. And, Sonia, I'll go to you on this. I mean, if Harbaugh does come to Michigan, are they a contender immediately? I mean, there's a lot of holes in that roster, and I don't know if Harbaugh can recruit well enough or wants to recruit well enough to to get it going fast. Michigan wants to win now. They don't want to win three years from now. They're going to have to wait. It's the same thing when Saban came um, the first year. You know, I think we went, uh, what was it, 8-5 and five or something like that? Seven People at Michigan, yeah, the Michigan, the Michigan faithful – or the Michigan Wolverine fans, 
they need to understand, just like all of these other teams' fans need to understand, no coach is going to come in and do anything overnight, okay? Ever. Ever, right. The first thing they have to do is they have to evaluate the talent that is there right now. Then they have to go back and see, okay, where is our greatest need? So they have to build depth. That doesn't happen overnight. That's going to take two, three recruiting classes to get that depth up to the point where, you know, you actually can say, okay, boom, we can just reload, reload, reload. I think what's going on is that a lot of these fans are having unrealistic expectations based on a coach's success, you know, at at another situation. Like if, if, uh, just say, for example, Saban, which we know won't happen due to the clause in his contract, say he left Alabama and went to Florida. Okay, Florida fans are going to think, all right, we're going to compete for a national championship, you know, first year. No, you're not. It all They always have to start out by evaluating. Butch Jones is the best example of that right now, and another perfect example is Jerry Kill up in Minnesota. The man has been there, and each year the program has improved. It's improved. It's improved each year. And the, the Minnesota faithful and the fans, they know and they see this improvement, so they give him time. Harbaugh is not going to walk in and just wave a magic wand and UM's going to be, you know, ranked in the top five. This is not going to happen. Yes, Jason, you're our Big Ten expert here. And, you know, you, you talk about Big Ten SEC. You look at some of the names in the SEC of the coaches. I mean, they pay the money. They pay their assistance. What would the name Jim Harbaugh do? to the Big Ten credibility? Uh, I mean, it'd it, it give Michigan the same edge they've had for decades. So it's not like it's going to put him above Urban. He'll just be, I mean, forever in a day, Tarvin, the only people competing for <clears throat> five-star recruits have always been Ohio State, Michigan, and Michigan State and Wisconsin to a degree. So, I mean, he's walking into a fertile land, but, <clears throat> you know, it's he's got to rebuild that whole freaking roster. So mm-hmm. he's looking at at least two years. I mean, it took Kill two years to get things going in Minnesota, so, <clears throat> and you know what we had to work with. <laughs> so... I don't know. You know, I think I think it's more Harbaugh is in a lot of ways similar to Saban, like Sonia said. He, I don't think he enjoys not being able to tell grown adults what to do. That's just he's not programmed that way, and he can do that in college. So, you know, in that case, Harbaugh was a good coach at Stanford. So, you know, it, yeah. it's not like he. He wasn't a good coach in college, so. Yeah, yeah he just wasn't you know, the recruiter, I'm all you for know. It. I'm all to make Urban a little more nervous. Yeah, and, and Trey, I'll ask you, I'll come back to you on this. If Harbaugh is not hired at Michigan, who do they hire? Because, I mean, signing day is getting here. And if you want to get any kind of recruiting class, you have to get somebody a big hire now. Who do they go after? If they put all their eggs in one basket and Harbaugh takes all of his eggs, I mean, who do they get? 
Well, the name I keep hearing is Greg Schiano, the former Tampa Bay coach and Rutgers coach. Oh, God. Get, uh, his, so, get him out of here. Yeah, that's the name I'm hearing. That's the name I'm hearing. Well, Trey, Trey, Trey you said you had some breaking news regarding Ole Miss. Let's hear it, buddy. Yeah, uh, this, this, this just came across the Twitter wire. And I got two sources so we can verify it. Um, looks like Chad Kelly, the three- or four-star, depending on when he was recruited. Uh, Ole Miss is basically future franchise quarterback. If you recall, he was a Clemson quarterback who was kicked off Clemson, who was a four-star elite prospect, uh, sort of set their, their program back because they expected him to be playing this past year. He signed on Juco signing day with Ole Miss. He was arrested early this morning, Tarvin, for fighting with police after not being able to be uh, removed voluntarily from a bar. Uh proceeded to fight the police, kicking them, screaming at them, punching them, uh, apparently threatened to come back in the place and shoot them all in AK-47. So Ole Miss had baked their season for <laughs> next year from having him as their starting quarterback, and we'll have to see what happens. He just signed his letter from 10 on Juco this week, so he's good, already in trouble. Good job. In Buffalo. Good job, Hugh Freeze. Great job out there. And I've got a message yeah. that Quinn Thompson, well, I'll, I'll talk about this story in just a second. Quinn Thomas wants to come back on and join us about the Michigan head coaching search. Go ahead, Quinn. Well, I think if they get Harborough, like Sonia was saying, it'll take time. It takes time to get players to buy into your system. And it takes time to get the right recruits you want. People, people, the fans that get new coaches are kind of looking at what Gus did and thinking that can happen every year. That's not realistic. Gus had a lot Gus knew a lot of those guys and recruited a lot of those guys. He's in a totally different situation than these coaches who have never coached at the program who are trying to get players to buy into their system. Yep. All right, Quinn, man. I appreciate that and and the old Miss, I mean, Sonia, what do you do right now with a quarterback that just signed with you and, and with two New York cops being shot? God, I mean, this crazy people in this world. I mean, what do you do with this kid? You don't threaten cops. You drop them. You drop them like a bad habit. I mean, what, what are you going to do? How do you explain that away? Seriously, how Auburn, do you explain Auburn's that away? Auburn's going to sign him. <laughs> No, Florida. <laughs> no, nah, McElwain's down there, so he won't. But, no, I think you, you have to drop the kid. And what these kids need to realize, and if anybody has not noticed this, the NFL with with Roger Goodell, and even though he's as wishy-washy as it comes as far as meting out any sort of punishment, they are very, very focused on off-the-field behavior, which trickles down into college football. So it doesn't matter how great you are in college football, if they see all of these issues off the field, and then when you look at the history, okay, look at Johnny and all the things that happened and all the stories that came up with him. He finally gets a start in Cleveland, and he fluffs it. Now, nobody, you know, nobody remembers that, number one, he's a rookie. It's his first game, and that Cleveland has an O-line that is about the same as Green Bay's. All they remember is, oh, he partied and when he was in college, uh, during the off season, he was partying in Vegas. That's all they remember. These kids need to get it into their heads. Your life is not your own now. If you want to get to the next level, you've got to behave on the field 
and off the field. Whether you want to be or not, you are a role model. And these kids are, are they're going to learn the hard way because these coaches, professional and college, are not playing anymore. It's not worth it. There's, there's 18,000 kids standing right behind you that are dying to get that spot and who will behave. Yeah. And, and, Trey, I'll go back to you. I mean, I mean, it, it. I mean, you can't control everything a kid does. I mean, you don't. You don't know everything. But do you think in researching this quarterback that there was any red flags whatsoever regarding this kid? You don't just all of a sudden try to fight police, threaten to kill him all of a sudden. I mean, if you do your homework on this kid, I'm sure you've heard stories about this from his closest friends, or, you know, just a acquaintances or what i mean what did what do you think hugh freeze is saying now well i mean i think hugh freeze probably sitting down and said you know this is your second chance sort of a la what a lot of you know a lot of coaches say to these guys have been booted off other teams i mean he was booted off some some pretty serious stuff um he probably said man hey this is your second chance you know you have a chance to be to redeem yourself and then what happens <laughs> the guy less than a week from his in that his letter of intent sent from from hugh freeze and you got to wonder, too, this is not a kid who has a real relationship with Hugh Freeze. I mean, this he just signed. I mean, other than being recruited, uh, this isn't a guy who's been on the roster for a year who, who maybe Hugh knows really well and, and can, you know, thinks he can save him. I think this is going to be really, really bad for Kelly um, when this yeah. all comes out. I mean, I, without having a relationship, um, I think they move on. Well, Trey, I, I, I forgot to – you weren't on the show when I wanted your opinion on this. I'm, I'm glad we're talking about coaching. Um, Gus – or, excuse me, Will Muschamp at Auburn, the hire. Give us your thoughts on that real quick. How is that going to impact recruiting for Auburn? How is that going to affect on-the-field play next year? Well, it puts in some five-star guys who are leaning towards Florida. Um, you know, C.C. Jefferson, uh, who may be going, leaning towards Alabama now, uh, Byron Cowart, who is uh, even taking, I think, taking an official to, to Auburn now, and that wasn't really on his radar before. So, I mean, it put some premier defensive linemen in, in play for Auburn immediately, uh, and I think it improves the defense obviously significantly. I mean, Will Muschamp is an elite defensive coordinator, um, and you know, I, I, obviously, you, you just want um, if you're Auburn, you want it that bad because I mean, Will Muschamp uh, is a, I think he's a good coach. Uh, I like. Uh, going against him at Florida State, obviously, I thought he was a classy guy, and uh, wishing the best to Auburn. He's going to do very well there. Yeah, and there's some big hires at Auburn in the history. Pat Dye being number one, I think you you have to put Gus at number two because he actually hired Muschamp. But I have to put Muschamp at three because this is exactly what a team needed. Um, that's what they were missing, that leadership on defense, missing Lawson all year, some injuries still. I mean, you have a, a coach with four years' experience as a head coach in the SEC coming to your defense, kind of like Lane Kiffin. He had the Oakland Raiders, Southern Cal. He had the coaching experience, Tennessee. Now he's an offensive coordinator. Look how he did at Alabama. Could we? Should we expect the same results out of Muschamp as, as Kiffin uh, had this year? Oh, he'll have immediate impact uh, for sure. I, I look at Auburn, and I think uh, defensively they need to recruit still, um, and, and much Temple will help them do that. Uh, we'll, we may not see it this year, Tarvin. You'll probably start seeing it in 16. Uh, but I don't know. We'll see how long Muschamp stays. I, I just I think he's looking to bounce into a, a head coaching job, uh, maybe a one to two year hire. But it's going to be a good to one to two years in defense. That's for sure. 
Yeah, I was thinking two years. Uh, and, and the first person he mentioned, Trey, was and if you if you if you mention a player in your press conference, you got to know that player is pretty important. And he he mentioned Carl Lawson two times. He was uh, you know Carl Lawson, Trey, the big defensive lineman. He was a freshman uh, the year they they played in the championship. But he's got a lot of talent to work with. Muschamp's very happy and pleased. He said with the talent on that team. So at least we have that. Yeah, I mean, obviously there's talent there. You have recruited four and five star guys, a solid three stars. I mean, that's all, that's all you can do. Um, obviously, it's a, uh, I mean, uh, upgraded coordinator for sure. Well, let's touch on a couple bowl games real quick before we go. Uh, we're not going over the toilet bowl, the blue bonnet bowl, the the helicopter bowls right now. We're gonna kind of go into the future a little bit to to New Year's Eve, New Year's Day, if that's okay with y'all. And I want to start uh, – I'm sorry, Wells just barked and kind of threw me off a little bit. But Clemson, Oklahoma, Trey, I mean, I know this game's not huge or anything, but December 29th, Oklahoma, three-and-a-half point favorite over Clemson. What does this game mean, really, to you? I mean, what does it mean going forward? Is, will, will either team want to show up and play? Well, I mean, that'll be interesting to see. I mean, with with Deshaun Watson being out for Clemson, we don't get a chance to really see the future for Clemson. I mean, this is going to be um, a different a different game without him. Clemson also lost their, like, starting running back and starting receiver. So they're pretty banked up, guys who will not play in the bowl game. So they're going to be – I don't see them winning this game with the, with the talent they have left. What's a big deal for Clemson is, is they have two guys right now, if you look at their, their top five recruiting class. And I think to keep that, they need to keep Ray Ray McLeod um, and another guy, a five-star guy, I can't remember his name right now. But uh, those two guys are still taking visits. And they want to impress those guys and at least show them that they still have talent on that roster. Obviously, Deshaun Watson's a big drag for those guys or draw for those guys. So, um for Clemson, it's, you're playing for that recruiting class that's currently top five. For Oklahoma, I think Stoops needs to show progression. I mean, after last year uh, beating Alabama, um, what this year was not a good year considering the quarterback was supposed to be a strength. Uh, he's back for the bowl game, Tarman. So Trevor Knight's back. Uh, so I look, I look, I think Oklahoma wins this game, and I think it's probably ten points. I, I just think Oklahoma's a better football team with the guys who aren't, aren't who are, who are going to show up, I guess, who aren't injured. Well, Sonia, let's stay on December 29th right here. Texas-Arkansas, I mean, it's it's an intriguing game to me. Arkansas, what's intriguing, Arkansas is a six-point favorite over Texas. I mean, what what do you see in this game? Oh, boy, it's going to be a battle of the we're coming, we're on our way back. <laughs> That's the best way I can see it. Both teams are 6-6, six and six, and you've, you've got two great coaches. You've got Charlie Strong. Uh, and I've got to give Belima his credit. You know, I've, I've forgiven him after his uh, first year of going winless in the SEC, so I'll I'll acknowledge that he exists again. But <laughs> um, that's going to be – I don't know. Arkansas has been showing up, and these guys are getting a whole lot better on defense and then throwing in some a few surprises there. But Texas – Arkansas's O-line is huge. Yeah, I think I, – I, ugh. I got some great friends, very very close friends that are horns, but I might have to look at Arky for this one. I don't think Texas is going to be ready. 
Yeah, I know Dustin Porterfield, Jason, he's going to pump this game up as Texas is going to roll and blow them out. But at the end of the day, I think Arkansas is going to come in and, and just physically whip Texas. I mean, Texas is back on their way, but I think playing in the SEC West has given Arkansas a big advantage, especially getting some rest, some experience, some coaching for a month. What do you think about this one, Jason? Sonny and I will have a, a good supply of Kleenex. So, you know, I, you know, I take Arky. Well, Trey, let's – They're huge. I'm sorry, they're go huge. ahead, Jason. No, their O-line is huge, and they can run the ball. So, I, no, I'll, I'll take Arky. It'll be close, but I'll take Arky. Trey, who do you like? You know, I'm still contemplating that one, to be honest. I think the quarterback for Texas is going to give them a little bit of a, a surprise. You know, again, Texas is a team with a top ten recruiting class right now, so people are going back to Texas. I think Charlie Strong, this is a game that he will have his guys fired up for. So, I don't know, man. I'm still thinking about that one. Well, you know what What sucks about this next game we're going to talk about? We're going to break down these more next Sunday. We're going to go through a two- or three-hour show to break down the bowls, but – an intriguing matchup to me on December 31st. But the only sucky thing is it's 12.30 in the afternoon, the Chick-fil-A Bowl, Trey. TCU comes in playing Ole Miss. I mean, a team that oh. got snubbed. You know, they should have been in the playoff, they think. How do they show up mentally to play a team like Ole Miss? Because one thing I'll tell you about Ole Miss, they're going to play defense. And I think TCU is going to struggle to actually move the ball on this defense. Well, I mean, it's a battle of offense and defense. And then, you know, we, we've seen this before with teams that um, are playing sort of secondarily type bowls. Um, they have a trouble sort of, you know, sort of re- re-engaging that momentum they had. Uh, so that's the big thing for TCU. Does Gary Patterson get them back fired up to show the world um, that they deserve to be in the playoffs? Or do they come out flat? Because I think Ole Miss is happy to be there. Uh, and I think Hugh Freeze needs a statement for recruiting. So I think Gary Patterson will have to see how much motivation does does, uh, does his team have because uh, that offense looks real good. But, you know, this is one of those things. A lot of times when we have time off, Tarvin, it's the offensive teams that struggle. Exactly. And and this, this team right here, Ole Miss, they're going to hit you in the mouth. I think they have a lot of momentum playing in the SEC West, going through that gauntlet, but ending up – beating their rival, Mississippi State. Hugh Freeze gets a contract. Next game, Sonia, Louisville, Georgia. Here's a team with uh, Mark Mark Riggs has not fared well in bowl games. They lost to Nebraska last year. I mean, a a coach that underachieves every year. Somehow Georgia is a a six-and-a-half-point favorite over Louisville, and I just don't know which Georgia team is going to show up. I'm the same way, and and going back to the other game, I'm going to call TCU because I'm sorry, Ole Miss is a fraud. So going back to this game, <laughs> Georgia, 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 Georgia is that team that will they'll they'll get your hopes up and get you all hyped up and blow it unless they are leading by three or more touchdowns going into halftime. Georgia will usually choke away a lead. Louisville. Ugh. I'm just thinking they might pull. They might pull the upset. I'm just. I, I gotta go with Louisville on this one. I just cannot trust Georgia. I can't see Georgia will be great this weekend and then turn around and totally suck 
the next. They're just not consistent enough for me. Louisville actually is trying. I've seen a little bit more consistency with them. I've got to, I've got to go with Louisville. Well, one thing that people don't talk about in this game, or I haven't heard, Todd Grantham, the old defensive coordinator coordinator for Georgia that left to go to Louisville, took some players with him that transferred. There's some bad blood between these two teams. And, and Trey, let's don't forget Petrino leaving the Falcons in Georgia uh, to take right. another job. So there's a lot of bad blood in this one. Who do you like, Trey? Well, I mean, more so than any of that, Parvin, this is one of those teams that if you look at after Florida State, teams have played them a lot of, a lot of injuries. Uh, Louisville real banged up after that game, and a lot of those guys aren't back for the year. A lot of those out for the year, including a quarterback, is pretty important. So again, another team that's going to the bowl games is limping in. That won't be healthy by by bowl time. Uh, I don't like teams without starting quarterbacks. So Louisville is uh, until I hear their quarterbacks back, I don't I don't like their chances. Well, remember Sunday night we're going to go over an intense bowl. I hope to have all of you guys back. We're going to go through all these games. But, Jason, I can't leave this show tonight with at least, without asking you about Minnesota and Missouri here. A big, you know, the Buffalo Citrus Bowl here, Buffalo Wild Wing Citrus Bowl, a very good bowl for Minnesota. I mean, I know you're happy, a New Year's Day bowl. What do you think about your chances lining up against Missouri? I think you have a good chance to win this. You always have a shot. Um, but for me personally, I said at the very beginning of the year that when we make a bowl, I want to face an SEC. And I only say that because, to me, that's my measuring stick. This game is a measuring stick for me. I I, I hope they win. Um, I think it'll be close. I won't be disappointed if they don't win, but it'll give me some kind of measuring stick of where we stand compared to other conferences. Um I, I don't know. I mean, I don't think they're going to be able to run on us. I mean, we've got a good run defense, um, and we should be able to run on them. So, <laughs> yes, I I like our chances. This this one might go to the Gophers. I'm uh, I like Gophers. your chances as well. Yeah, Trey, I mean, I like Minnesota in this one. I don't know who you like, but I've watched Missouri play this year, and that's one team that I'm not impressed with that I think Minnesota – could just run the ball on them as well and be able to do some play action. Missouri's a team that, that they, they they made the SEC championship game because they played in the East, and that's the only reason. I mean, it's because the East was so bad. I think they're a five-point favorite over Minnesota because of the perception of the Big Ten and the SEC. So I like Minnesota in this game to get it done. Well, I think it's going to come down to Minnesota running the football and whether they can run successfully. I mean, Missouri's three losses this year have all come to teams that run the football really well. So, and that's what Minnesota needs to do is run the football well, um, and they'll have a lot of success versus Missouri. They could, they can't target and Missouri's going to have a pretty good game. Well, I have one chance for one more game before I have to go, and this is a very intriguing matchup: Michigan State and Baylor. Sonia, I mean, on paper, this is a <laughs> this is going to be a fun game to watch. What do you think? A Big Ten powerhouse versus a co-champion of the Big 12. Dude, <laughs> I'm sorry Jason was laughing <laughs> as we're saying to the – Take Baylor, take Baylor. <laughs> He's like, take Baylor, take Baylor. 
Um, I think it's going to be a great game. Baylor, I'm I'm kind of biased against Baylor right now because of of Art and his whining after uh after they were uh after they didn't make the the Final Four. But Baylor has a great team. Michigan State though, Mich- Sparty can jump up and hit you straight in the mouth. I mean, look at how they led Oregon when they played Oregon. Have they had some issues? Yes. But Michigan State is just one of those teams that they're kind of like a little engine that could. So I personally would love for Michigan State to win this game, but when it comes down to it, eh, Baylor will probably pull it out. Trey, I'm going to tell you one thing here. I mean, there's several advantages. Baylor, they have the speed. They have the team speed. We saw Oregon and Michigan State play two teams similar to each other, Oregon and Baylor. Oregon ran them off the field in the second half. And another thing about this game, it's in Texas. And you have a Baylor pissed-off team right now. Browse, the coach is mad. That could work against him. I don't know. But I like Baylor in this game. Trey, I know you're a Michigan State fan, but I think Baylor whips the piss out of them in this game. Well, I mean, this is going to come down to matchups like Katie Cannon, who is a freshman All-American for and former five-star recruit uh, or four-star recruit, excuse me, for Baylor, uh, against, you know, the Utah guys who are big, huge, physical, first-round draft pick senior uh, Michigan State corners. That's going to be a matchup to watch, Tarvin. Uh, I think Baylor is going to be fired up. I really do. I think Bryles has them where they need to be going into the bowl game versus a team that's going to come flat. I think they're going to come out very focused. I think Bryce Petty uh, came out and basically said uh, pretty much like we respect their decision. We're going to show them on the field, you know, their mistake, which is kind of the focus you need as a starting quarterback for a team like this. So, I think this is going to be a really good matchup, and it's going to come down to those corners versus those young speed uh, receivers for Baylor. Uh, we'll have to see who wins that matchup. I think Matt will win the day. Yeah, and everybody, thanks for joining us tonight. Trey was back. Sonia, Jason, great. Brett Smith in the chat room. Quinn, everybody, man, I know it's the holidays. Thanks for taking the time to come out and talk some sports with us. We have some fun doing this. And next Sunday night, we're not going to have a show Wednesday Due to the Christmas holiday coming up a Sunday night, it's going to be our intense bowl uh, show. We're going to go through all the major bowls. We're going to pick them. Um, we're, we're going to be there Sunday night, next Sunday night, 8.30 p.m. Eastern. We're going to also talk about the playoffs coming up in the NFL. So it's just some exciting times here. Some big bowl games, some big playoff matchups. You'll find it here. And I want to give you a little name to throw out for the Michigan job. Could be possibly... Dan Mullen of Mississippi State. Don't sleep on him right now. Uh, I don't know if his defensive coordinator leaving the way he did. I don't know if that's the writing on the wall. And uh, I don't know. Dan Mullen could be the name to go to Michigan to escape that SEC West, to get back up there with his boy Urban Meyer and and stress him out a little more. But you know we're going to talk about that Ohio State-Alabama game Sunday night the Oregon-Florida State game, Auburn-Wisconsin, some of the bigger games out there that that people that listen to this show are entertained with, Mississippi State-Georgia Tech. Just an update, 14-3 Seattle, three minutes and 41 seconds left till half. Looks like they're wanting that division. Looks like they're going to try to take it tonight. So 8.30 next Sunday night. Make sure you tell everybody, call in. This will be our last show of the year. So we're going to make it a big one. So get ready. Sunday night, 8.30. Thanks, y'all. Have a great week.
Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky. Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess. Ah, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.